Welcome back one and all to another episode of The Disciples Haven. Today, we're going to begin a new book, a short book, but an important book where we will learn about faith, our works, how to overcome temptation, and having the basic characteristics of what makes a true Christian warrior for God. So as always, before we begin, we ask our Father to open eyes and open ears and bless us with wisdom and knowledge as we learn the book of James in chapter 1. Amen. to start a new book today. We'll be getting back into Genesis after, but I wanted to cover an important book that I believe sets the foundation of what it means to be a Christian, what it takes to be a Christian. James was the brother, or I should say half-brother, of our Lord Jesus Christ, and he wrote this book to the 12 tribes of Israel. But whether you are a descendant of one of those tribes or not, it doesn't matter because if you love God and do God's will, then you are adopted into the family of God because we are all equal in his eyes. So, book of James, chapter 1, verse 1, and it reads, James, a servant of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. In other words, this is going to the tribes that were scattered all over the world. I mentioned before that the land of what we know as Israel today, ten of those tribes were located to the north of that land. And the other two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, were located south in that land. In 600 BC, the Assyrian captured them and took them as slaves. And about 200 years later, around 400 BC, Judah and Benjamin would be taken into captivity as well by Nebuchadnezzar. So all 12 tribes would be scattered abroad over time. Most of the people would end up going north over and under the Black Sea and resettling into various parts of Europe. But that's another topic for another time. Verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. You be joyful if temptation comes knocking your way. While we're in this flesh body, we are susceptible to many temptations. From lying, to drugs, to pornography, to alcohol, to stealing to being power hungry, being prideful, you name it. Everyone has a weakness in this world. But you, the Christian man or woman, you rise above that. You rise above that nonsense because you have God with you. So when temptation comes your way, you don't worry. It actually brings you joy because you can overcome it. Verse 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. You know, I'll be one to admit that I have very little patience for many things. Many of us, especially in this day and age, have grown accustomed to wanting everything now, now, now. But we have to learn to be patient. And one way of doing that is your faith being put to the test because it will bring you patience. Knowing that God's plan is working, knowing that things happen in His time, not yours. Learn to work with God, not against Him. But let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. As you go through life, if you are pleasing to God, He will see that you lack nothing. You'll know to be prepared. You'll know to plan. You'll know to be ready in all that you encounter because God will make it possible for you. Verse 5. 
If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. This means that God will give you wisdom very simply. He's not going to pick on you or belittle you because you don't know much. He will just give it to you. All wisdom comes from God. So as you study more and more of God's word, there are going to be times where things just aren't adding up. You're not making sense of what you're reading. Ask God for the wisdom to understand. It may not happen right away, but remember, patience. God will give you that wisdom when he knows you are ready for it, on his time, not yours. Verse 6. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. This means if you're going to ask for something, then ask with 100% in your faith that God will give you that wisdom and knowledge. Don't doubt God. Don't pray to him and be like, well, I think you can give me wisdom or asking God, but then in your mind thinking, I really don't think it's going to happen because then it just won't happen. As James said, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed, meaning whichever way the wind blows, you're just going to go along one way than another. You can't do anything for your family or yourself if you're just going whichever way the wind blows. Maybe the world is taking you this way or that way. Maybe you're trying to hang on to God, but then the world pushes you a different way. Stand firm in the ways of God. Have faith. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Our Father has feelings and emotions, just like you and I. If you doubt him, then don't think he's going to give you anything. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Doesn't get much simpler than that, does it? In other words, if you're going to follow God, then follow him every step of the way. Don't be like, well, I want to follow in his ways today. Then tomorrow you're saying, well, the ways of the world sure are nice and pleasing. Apply this to your life. Don't be wishy-washy, or you're just going to be like the waves we just read about, blowing in the wind any which way the wind blows. A double-minded person cannot be trusted. Therefore, God won't trust you. Verse 9. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. A brother of low degree is talking about people that are humble, people that don't have a lot of money. Which then goes into verse 10 explaining how if you're rich and that's all you care about are earthly things, all of that goes away like the flower of the grass. You're nothing. You're going to die one day. Your six or seven figure bank account isn't going to follow you. It stays here. This is talking about setting your mind on heavenly things, not earthly things. Gee, who else told us about this? In the book of Matthew chapter 6 verse 19, Jesus tells us, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through or steal. You see, this brother of low degree is more concentrating on building up his riches and treasures in heaven than here on earth. He or she doesn't care about the earthly things. So while he or she is here on earth, they are considered lowly. Now, this isn't to say if you're rich, you're going to hell either. If you are rich and you thank God for it, then it's a blessing from God. If you worked hard to where you got and you are making that dough, you owe no apology to anyone. You are blessed by God. Be sure to thank Him for giving you that. Be humble, but remember 
that isn't going to follow you, so be sure to build your riches in heaven too. Verse 11. For the sun is no sooner risen with the burning heat, but withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grass of the fashion of it perish, so also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. This kind of puts everything in a perspective, doesn't it? If you want to keep living your life, keep caring for the things of this world and prepare nothing for yourself for what's to come after, you're going to be left with nothing. So yeah, keep caring about your cars, your money. In short time, you'll fade away just like everything else. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Your willpower. What kind of willpower do you have? Are you the type where that little craving, that little temptation is enough to push you over and deceive you into sinning again? Or are you a Christian warrior that when tempted, you endure and continue to fight the good fight? It's a war out there, folks. Keep fighting. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Don't ever think or say, God is tempting me or God is testing me. He doesn't do it. You know, there's a common misquoting of scripture I've often heard people say, God won't test you more than what you can handle. That is such an ignorant comment. People are trying to refer to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. What it says is, you, man or woman, won't face temptation any different than anyone else. But God will not allow you to be tempted more than what you can handle. And he will always, always give you a way out of temptation. See, there's a difference. Man says, God won't tempt me past what I can handle. But scripture says, God won't allow you to be tempted with more than what you can handle. There's this YouTube video that I'm sure you've heard. It's a video of a Catholic priest. I think it's from a TV show. But people have hooked onto this video so much because of what the priest is saying that people find it encouraging. Here it is. I asked for strength. And God gave me difficulties to make me strong. I asked for wisdom. And God gave me problems to solve. I asked for courage. And God gave me dangers to overcome. I asked for love. And God gave me troubled people to help. My prayers were answered. What a stupid and dangerous thing to say or even think about. I get it. It's Hollywood and they're trying to appease to the audience. But notice the traditions of men. And now let's see what God actually thinks about. Because what did we just read? Let no man say, God is tempting me or God is giving me troubles. But like I said, let's hear it from God. Turn your Bibles to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 23, verse 33. And let's hear what God thinks when people say, God gave me burdens or God is testing me. And when this people or the prophet or a priest shall ask thee saying, what is the burden of the Lord? Thou shalt then say unto them, what burden? I will even forsake you, saith the Lord. And as for the prophet and the priest and the people that shall say the burden of the Lord, I will even punish that man and his house. 
Not only will God forsake you if you're saying God is testing me or burdening me, he'll even punish your entire house. You think God is giving you burdens? Oh, he's going to give you some burdens, all right, and you won't forget them. Verse 35. Thus shall ye say everyone to his neighbor and everyone to his brother, What hath the Lord answered? And what hath the Lord spoken? And the burden of the Lord shall ye mention no more, for every man's word shall be his burden. For ye have perverted the words of the living God of the Lord of hosts. You know what he's saying here? He's saying out of your own mouth, you're convicting yourself. Your own words will be your own punishment. Oh, God gives his most difficult tasks to his most battle-hardened warriors. Oh, you and yours are going to get difficulties in your life, all right, by your own mouth. Verse 37. Thus shalt thou say to the prophet, What hath the Lord answered thee? And what hath the Lord spoken? But since ye say, The burden of the Lord, therefore thus saith the Lord, because ye say this word, the burden of the Lord, and I have sent unto you, saying, Ye shall not say, the burden of the Lord. Therefore, behold, I, even I, will utterly forget you, and I will forsake you, and the city that gave you and your fathers, and cast you out of my presence, and I will bring you an everlasting reproach upon you, and a perpetual shame which shall not be forgotten. So what did we learn? God doesn't give you burdens. He doesn't cause you temptation. He doesn't give you problems. I mean, those of you with kids, I'm sure you love with all your heart. Let's say your kid knows not to grab cookies from the cookie jar before they have dinner. But you leave a cookie out to see if they're going to grab it. And then he grabs it and eats it. You're going to punish him for what you put him through? You tempted your own child. What kind of love is that? Where is the justice and the punishment that follows? Our God is a just God, a God of love. Sure, he allows us to go through temptation, but he will never allow you to go through more temptation than what he knows you can bear. And he will always offer you a way out. Now back to the book of James, verse 14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Everyone on this earth has temptations. The devil knows your weaknesses. The flesh knows your weaknesses. And while you remain in this flesh body, it will constantly try you again and again. You get drawn away from God. That's on you. You went and sinned. No one to blame but yourself. You wanted to get that next drink. You wanted to inject that stuff into your body. You wanted to look at that lustful behavior. You have to answer for that. Nobody else. God didn't do it. You did. You have to take accountability for your own actions. Verse 15. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. The Bible never contradicts itself. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says, The wages of sin is death. So if we sin and we don't repent and you pass away, that's it. When you sin, it starts accruing against you in the next life. But that's why we are blessed to have Jesus Christ come and die for us on the cross. Because through Him, by asking for His forgiveness, we are saved. Think of it as if you're starting new, a fresh start. Your sins are wiped away. You have a clean slate. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Don't let that happen to you. Don't be persuaded by sin. 
Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. You can count on God. He isn't double-minded like how man is. He isn't pushed by the waves. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that he should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Firstfruit of his creation. What does that mean? Well, we are mankind. We learned in the book of Genesis that we were created in his image. We have eyes, ears, hands, emotions, etc. Well, so does God. And as God's elect, we are to rise above the temptations of this world. Not that God's elect are better than everybody else, but as God's elect, we should know better. So as to represent God, we are put on this earth to act righteous and godly because we are here to represent the true living God. You can't really be representing him if you fall for every temptation or you're double-minded. And apply this to your everyday life as well, to your work, to your family. Verse 19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. If there's one thing you can take from this chapter, it's this. If you practice this in your everyday life, things will just be easier for you. Swift to hear. If someone comes to you for something, just be quiet and listen to what they got to say. Slow to speak. That means think about what you're going to say. Is what you're about to say tactful? Will it build this person up or will it build a wall up? Think before you speak and slow to wrath. Not everyone who you talk to is going to have the same opinion as you about everything. It doesn't do you or anyone any good if all you're doing is yelling and screaming back at each other. You can apply these two verses in almost everything in life, in your marriage, your relationships, your friendships, your everyday run-ins with people. I mean, look at our world today. We've become so polarized in almost everything. Now think of how this world would be if we all practiced these three simple steps. Swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Be imprinted with the word of God, because that is the only thing able to save your soul. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. How many of you know people like this? You know, there are many religious people out there. And in my experiences, when I used to go to church or hang out with some people that went to church a lot, some of them were the most hypocritical people that I've ever known. The most hypocritical people that I've ever met were religious churchy people. Now, I'm not saying that's everyone, but I'm speaking of my own experiences. But seeing these people going to church every Sunday, singing the songs, hearing the pastor or priest give their sermon, and soon as church service was over, they go right back to the ways of the world. Back to the bottle, back to the women, back to the men, back to the drugs, back to talking bad about each other, giving in to the ways of this dark world. Don't be a double-minded fool. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. What do you see when you look at yourself in the mirror? You're seeing yourself, your reflection, but it's not the real you. 
What do I mean by that? Well, let's read the next verse so it can all make sense. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Once you're done looking at yourself in the mirror, you go on your own way. You forget that reflection. That's how some religious people are. You hear the word of God, but as soon as you're done studying, soon as you're done with church, boom. You forget what you learned, and you're right back to doing the same crap you were doing before. What are we called to be? We, God's elect, God's people, are to be a reflection of our God in everything that we do. So when you look at yourself in the mirror, you remember that. You are a reflection of God. When you leave your home, that reflection is what you put on before people. Are you a double-minded person where soon as you're done seeing that reflection, you're going to forget? You're going to forget what God wants from you? Verse 25. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. Did you hear that? But a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. Jose, that means we have to work for our treasures? For our salvation? Uh, yeah. What have I said before? God doesn't give free rides. He doesn't like laziness. Don't be like some of those religious double-minded church people who listen to the word of God one day and then do the complete opposite the next. Be better than that. Be a listener, but above all, be a doer of God's word. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. If you are a preacher, a pastor, or a priest, a churchgoer, and all you do is hold these concerts and motivational speaking sermons, celebrating Easter bunnies and teaching traditions of men, and you never get to the meat of God's word, to study God's word chapter by chapter, it's all in vain. It's all for nothing. You're deceiving yourself. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. It's about helping others in need. It's about sharing the word of God to others who don't know, not just keeping it for yourself. Share the knowledge that you've learned with others. That's why I tell people, share this show with your friends and family. We, you and I, are here to save souls. Now, I'm not talking about grabbing your Bible, getting a bullhorn and standing at the corner yelling, Jesus is coming. Honestly, that's kind of cringy to me. But what it's talking about is living a godly lifestyle. Because when you do that, people will take notice and they'll come to you and try and talk to you. Maybe ask you for advice or ask you questions. How you conduct yourself goes a long way in this world. And lastly, be unspotted from the world. Meaning, don't get caught up in this world. Don't get caught up with the money, the politics, the cars, the women, the men, alcohol, drugs, anything offensive to God. Don't get drawn away by your own lusts. Stick to the word of God. Invest in your soul, your spirit, because this life is gone just like that. This life is but a simple twinkle of an eye compared to our next life. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Disciples Haven. And remember to not just be a hearer, but a doer of God's word. Until next time, disciples, go in peace.